What's in the bag? A shark or something? Put the bunny back in the box. This is Two Guys Five Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pelicone. This is Quick Cage and Frank. Which nickname movie are you going to tell us about tonight? So tonight we're going to talk about 2016's um, black comedy action thriller crime film, uh, Doggy Dog, directed by Paul Schrader. Um, making his second directorial effort with Mr. Cage. Um, also stars Willem Dafoe. And then a cast of people that are basically nobodies. Um, or Omar Dorsey. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. He's a to me. Uh, the, so, fuck this movie. Um, so Cage is a... A guy who's had two strikes against him and has spent significant time in jail and during his time in jail has made friends with two other criminals. Um, Mad Dog, who's played by Willem Dafoe, who also is a two-strike criminal, um, who's a drug addict and basically just like this insane little monstrous leprechaun that just likes to hurt people and gets his feelings hurt really easy and I don't know, very impulsive. And uh, Diesel, who's played by Christopher Matthew Cook, who's another two-strike criminal. See, this is this is the, the, the crux of the movie. Um, who's kind of just like this sullen, like big bruiser who doesn't know how to get in touch with his feelings, basically, and um, is kind of like their muscle. So Cage gets out of jail, and they all get back together. Um, and Cage has done work for this guy named uh, the Greek who's played by Paul Schrader um, and has done like whatever like jobs for him in the past so basically they want to pull some job that's going to set them up forever because they're all like old you know and they want to retire so the job they get is the kidnapping of this child of this man who owes um, the other, this other fucking criminal um, money. So the idea is they're going to go kidnap this infant. Um, the guy's going to pay him to get the infant back. And they're going to get a cut of that money, plus they get money up front. So it's like 750 grand is going to be their, their total take. Um, and they'll each get 250. But then the thing is, is like none of them want to go back to jail. So Nick Cage, um, whose name is Troy in this movie, um, is has to convince them to pull off this caper, which they go and do, but they end up murdering the guy whose baby it is and his girlfriend in the house and then kidnapping the baby anyway. And then they get caught. And 
I mean, that's uh, that's kind of it. They get caught. That's the end. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of things that go into them getting caught. Um, but ultimately, they're just fuck ups, and they're doomed. And there's some really weird, like, bonding scenes between the three of them, and then. At one point, they all pick up prostitutes, and there's, like, weird scenes where none of them can really, like, get off with these prostitutes, and, eh, I don't know. It's, um, so it's based on a book written by a guy named uh, Edward Bunker, who played Mr. Blue in Reservoir Dogs, and was also mm-hmm. in a bunch of other movies, and wrote, like, a lot of novels. He was a guy who spent like a lot of his youth in jail um i guess he's like writing from experience i have no idea how much the film differs from the books i didn't care to look it up um it is it's so weird it's like like part some parts of this movie are fucking god awful and just tedious and it's like i don't know like how many times can you see like like strip clubs and it's just it's it's very banal. Like if you had, you know, we used to play that do that thing at the at the bar when we were trying to come up with like the lists and you would randomize, you know, like different things like a year and a genre or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the same fucking thing. Like it's like somebody sat down and was like, "All right, so we're gonna have, you know, brrr, there's the wheel and kidnapping, <laughs> and there's gonna be a." Brrr, <laughs> crack at it and then you know and it's just like all these right. things like thrown together and that maybe it would work in a novel form i don't know but it, it definitely is just really weird and kind of disjointed here but at the same time like you can tell the cage is really into the role because he plays it he plays it with enough of his like manic weirdness that You know, it's 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 him basically, but it, with enough restraint where it still is kind of a believable performance. So one of the conceits of this movie is that he is obsessed with being Humphrey Bogart, basically, mm-hmm. and is always trying to convince people that like he looks like Humphrey Bogart. Um, and he does some voiceover bit, like well, not voiceover, but all like imitation of bogart and he's always like oh who, who do i remind you of? and i'm like oh, i don't know who you remind me of um because not bogart because he didn't look anything like him he didn't sound like him right um and then at the end of the movie there's the sequence that happens that i assume is fantasy of his where like he escapes from the police because he you know they get caught mm-hmm. um because a, a, a cop ends up getting shot like in their I don't know, I, I gotta tell you backstory to get to that point, I guess. So, after they kill the dude, they take his body and they're gonna dump it somewhere that Willem Dafoe has dumped bodies in the past. So him and Diesel go to this place to dump this body and they bond on the way there. And the place is like this pier in New Jersey that like nobody uses with this abandoned building and they go to take the body in there and Willem Dafoe is like all manic and crazy and 
he feels like they formed a bond. He's like, oh, are you going to help me be a better person, Diesel? You gonna, you going to help me out? Like, you really, you really care about me. Like, we're friends. And then the floor collapses and they fall with the body. And then Diesel just shoots him in the face. And that's that. Like, that's the end of Willem Dafoe. So he comes back and Nicolas Cage and him are trying to figure out if they can still get some money because apparently, you know, they don't know that the guy that they killed is actually the guy that owed the money until like this part of the movie. So Diesel goes into a convenient or into a grocery store to buy some food for him. And the cops see them or I guess maybe somebody sees his gun or they see these got like blood on. Anyway, they call the police and um, the police come and they scope out Nick Cage and then when Diesel comes out, like he sees it, and he like shoots this female police officer that Nick Cage is like tussling with at that point. I can't remember what's happening, but he's he's already like fucked up. Um, and then he gets the shit kicked out of him and basically gets dragged to death by two other cops because he's a cop killer. Um, Diesel dies, by the way, in a in a car chase in between all these things happening. Um. So then at the end, Nicolas Cage like fantasizes that he's like escaped from the police and he he hijacks this car with these this older black couple in it um, who have just left church and they're going to going home and Nicolas Cage hijacks them and then it's like he starts doing his Bogart and the guy in the front is like, oh, you sound just like like bogey or whatever and it's a really good imitation and nicholas cage is like oh well thanks and then the police like get him and like he dies in the shootout with the police and that's that's the end of that so i mean like i really enjoyed willem dafoe sometimes because i really like Willem. I, like over the past like 10 years willem dafoe's like really oh, sure. worked his way up in my estimation of just like super reliable character actors that you can like cast in something and they're just going to be like you know like pretty much just kill it like every time and the foe is definitely up there um but it's also like strange and uh, i don't know like nonsensical at times and then at other times it's just really boring and it's like all right can we just like move on with the stupid plot and then it's like let's put swingers like elements in here and i I don't know it's just like because they go to a casino right yeah i don't know like on one on one hand i never wanted to stop watching like i was always kind of compelled just to see where the fuck it was gonna go because it's Mm kind of fun sometimes like with with how big a fuck-ups they are and like Again, like Cage and Defoe, and even this um, Christopher Matthew Cook guy, they're really good performances. Like, there's no, there's not a bad performance in the movie. And, you know, Paul Schrader is an incredibly accomplished director, so it feels like a real movie. Like, you don't feel like you're just watching some direct-to-video shit. Um, and I, this, this was released in the box office, but whatever. Like, it didn't, like, earn it. It earned, like, $70,000 or some shit. So, I mean, it feels like a real movie. But then at other times, it just feels like so weirdly, like, I don't know, man. Like, oh, this is a third strike for all of us. So we got to decide if we're going to do this, we're going to do, we're just going to die. I'd rather die than go back to jail. So we do it or we succeed or we all die. And then that's like, that, that's the pitch. They're like, yeah, right. yeah, that's what we're going to do. Let's go kidnap this kid. Right. 
How long? How, how? What's the setup of this movie like? Like, how long do you get to the point where it's like the the kidnapping is even like discussed? So the opening segment of this movie is actually probably the best part of the movie. Is Willem Dafoe high as shit off of like crack or meth? Maybe I don't know what he's, he's on, but he's mm-hmm. in this like weird like suburban house with pink walls and pink wallpaper and flowers all over the place and he's getting high and it's all like shot through like lens filters and stuff and he's kind of going crazy and then the phone rings and he starts yelling at the person on the phone and then like smashes the phone and you don't even like like you think maybe he broke into this house or like what is this dude doing in this house so it's actually like a little I don't know if compelling is the right word because it's giving it a lot of credit. But, you know, it, it, it draws you in. And mm-hmm. then this this heavyset woman and her daughter come home and you find out that, like, that's his girlfriend. And he's kind of a scumbag. And he was supposed to, like, do all this stuff and he didn't do anything for her. And he's like, oh, baby, you just got to keep me around a little bit more, baby. You know, like, let's cook, cook, cook your ribs tonight. I'll make your ribs tonight. You like the ribs, right? Like, oh, I'll, I'll make love to you. And then let, let, me, let me kiss you. Let me kiss you. And she's like, no, Matt, or whatever. I don't think she calls him Matt. I think he has like an actual name, but I don't remember what it is because whatever, I didn't care. I'm like, oh no, you, you, this is the last time you gotta, you gotta leave after this. And then like, she's like, fuck, what is the website? She's like, youngasiansluts.com. This is what you're doing on my computer when I'm not home. Oh, what is I use I use this computer for my taxes and for my fuck what is it it's so funny it's like some like etsy shop or something and he just stabs the fuck out of her and murders her and then her daughter comes downstairs and is like ah and he chases her upstairs and murders her and then like it cuts and you never know when that happened or if it happened or if that's the thing that was the second strike because he's still old as shit like at that point like he doesn't like Right. He's not like young Willem Dafoe or anything. It's he's Willem Dafoe now. And they never like they reference it like one other time vaguely. So you assume that maybe like Nick Cage when he's getting his second strike, fucking escapes from jail like from his um court hearing and flees and steals a gun from a cop and like like I don't know, like none of it makes any sense. But they all had a good time doing it, I guess, because they all seem like they like it and I mean, Defoe is is the best performance in the whole movie. Just as this, you know what it reminded me of? Like, you remember Begbie from um, Train Spotting? Yeah. Like, imagine Begbie as an old man, but with like the same like limited like impulse control, but a whole lot of like neuroses thrown on him, and like that's this character. So yeah, doggy dog. So let me tell you two things. Like, I know how this is going to go anymore based on the year and based on how you try to define a film. So as soon as I heard 2016 and the fact that it's like you couldn't define the genre very clearly, it's like it never ends well. Um, It never ends well. This movie sounds like a fucking mess, Frank. It's it's, it's a pretty big mess. But it's... It's a mildly interesting mess. So, like, look, I would never recommend this movie to anybody. I, th- that's, like, 80% of the, the quick gauge, let's be honest. 
I would never recommend this movie, but if it's something that you happen to come upon and you've got time to kill and you watch it, like it's not the worst thing you could do. Like Willie's Wonderland, there is absolutely no reason to watch that movie. Like, I can't think of one compelling reason. And even if it's free, like, you're just watching it as an oddity. You're not watching it because it's, it's, not, it's, it's not a movie, you know? It's just garbage. Like, this is a movie. And it has a plot, and it tries to develop characters, and it tries to build, like, a sense of suspense, but also have this comedy. But it's just all over the fucking place, like, so much. And, like, things happen out of context and out of sequence. And, you know, like... The, like the thing with Willem Dafoe happens, and then fuck, what happens next? They're either like they're they're out of jail, but then they show them in jail. But I, I know it's like like I understand flashbacks, like whatever. I've seen a movie before, but they do such a bad job because they don't do anything to make these guys look any different than how they look in the quote unquote present day of the movie. That you can't really tell. Like when's this shit happening? Like why am I watching like the scene now? And you have to kind of like in your head, like create a narrative on your own and be like, okay, well, this is a flashback from when before he, he was in jail for the first time, maybe. And, or maybe this is like before he went to jail the second time. And yeah. There's yeah a really... I, you, you described so many things to me in this movie, and I still don't have a clear cut idea of what's going on um, necessarily. And because there's too much going on. Yeah. And, well, I mean, and... But... Go ahead. And now it makes perfect sense when I look this movie up on Wikipedia. The plot on Wikipedia says three former prisoners, Troy, Mad Dog, and Diesel, are hired to kidnap a baby and share a big ransom payment. That's it. Yeah. That's the and plot. that's the plot of the movie. Yeah, right. Well, usually these 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 plots are a little bit more thorough um, on Wikipedia. Right. It's like it's just it's it's more like how do you get there? And the answer is do you? I mean, the baby just disappears. Like, at one point, you don't, I mean, who knows what happens to anything? There's no, con I mean, there's consequence because they all die. But there's no, like, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, um, what's the fucking movie where the kid dies that gets taken for ransom by accident? Fucking, what is that movie? Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm thinking of something. I don't know. All right. So there's a movie called The Candy Snatchers from like the mid-70s. Oh. One of my favorite grindhouse movies from that time period. Like it was really well done, really good movie. Very sleazy and very like, you know, like obviously like a grindhouse, but it's one of those ones that kind of elevates the genre a little bit. They kidnap a girl because they're gonna hold her for ransom. Shit goes wrong. There's some comedy elements to it. They build these the three characters that are in it, they build them up. Some other shit happens, you know, but there's like twists and there's turns and you're consistently like telling the story of this fucked up kidnapping, like both leading up to it, it's happening and then the aftermath of it. And then it ends and it's got like this kind of cool like twist ending to it a little bit, but it's like, like that's, that's the movie that that's a movie that knows it's a movie and is telling a story. And like, I just feel like Paul Schrader was just trying to. I don't know what he was trying to do. Like maybe at the end of his career thinking like, Hey, here, I'm going <clears> to <throat> like make this my, my like magnum opus for the end of my career of this like crazy, wacky, you know, drug soaked, like treatsy on 
friendship and doesn't he just like direct like another a year after this or two years after this like a really good movie uh what was it first reformed oh yeah yeah yeah. first reformed is really good um but first so see i want to spoil too much because i want to talk about first today yeah oh he's filmed two movies after that i thought he was dead I I knew he wasn't dead because I'd read obviously seen like that movie. <laughs> he's always had the sensibility to him where he's not afraid to not break the fourth wall, but like bend the edges of reality within his film universe. Like he's perfectly fine with giving you a very straight movie and then having scenes that are completely like psychedelic or metaphorical, yeah. you know, or whatever. Like he'll he'll do things to illustrate, especially when he's doing stuff about like people that are on drugs or people that are insane. Like he's fine with like changing all the rules of the film that he's created in order to like make a point or whatever. And it's really successful sometimes. Like it's really good in Mishima. Um it's really good in first performed when it happens. Um I think it's really good in a, um, like Cat People has some stuff like that. And even though Cat People is really fantastical anyway, like there's some really good stuff in Cat People that, you know, so he's got this like talent to him, but then like, this is the motherfucker that directed the canyons, you know what I mean? And like fucking Dominion, the Exorcist prequel. And it's like the dying of the light, which is one of the worst goddamn movies on this entire quick case. And yeah. it's in this. And this is like not one of the worst movies on the quick page. This is like again, when I said it's like the ultimate like 50-50 movie, that I, I mean that. Like it's firmly in the middle. Like there's things that you'll enjoy about it, and there's things that are bad about it, and they just kind of like even out to just be this flat gray wash where and it's only been fuck a little over a week since I watched this movie. Like I think I watched it. Not this past Sunday, but the Sunday before. After I watched Malcolm X, so that was my that was my you know two for that night, mm-hmm. um, and you know very very good companion pieces to each other, very similar. Um, yeah, I'll fucking know. I don't know. Someday I'm going to watch a good Nick Cage movie again, and it's going to be like a revelation. But it ain't going to be today. Critics agree with you on the because it's a, exactly fifty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, the audience score is eighteen percent, which might That's be one. Of the, which is yeah, it might be one of the biggest disparities that I've seen. Um, you know what though? Look up that Willy's Wonderland on Rotten Tomatoes <clears> and look at the scores on that. That's how much a fucking score means. Because I think that shit's like certified fresh or something. Or was the last time? I well, yeah. The, in in the first the first week, they'll tell you it's they'll always tell you it's certified fresh because they'll farming out the people that'll give them good reviews um before the movie comes out and then it's certified fresh and they can put that stamp on in the first week it's 63 percent from uh re- critics and 78 from audiences you want to know what paul schrader's top 10 movies are in, the, have, isn't that all of his movies no 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 i'm saying like he he was in the sight and sound film poll 
um, oh. that they do every 10 years where they gotcha. ask like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Actors, like what are your favorites uh-huh. so here's Paul Schrader's list oh let me tell you something to like harken back to something from um, Sunday's podcast mm-hmm. Martin Scorsese that motherfucking pretentious fuck gave them 12 movies instead of 10 <laughs> this is why like fuck Martin Scorsese so Schrader's there's 10, good movies on Scorsese's list though I've seen it yeah 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 but you know what fucking just like tear it down you know like I <laughs> right like, right Oh, but there's like seven other movies we were going to talk about. Like, fuck that. Like, it's a top five. It's five. It's right. 10, ten. Although I have cheated. So, but whatever. Fuck me too. Um. So, Schrader's list in alphabetical order is Citizen Kane, The Conformist, In the Mood for Love, The Lady Eve, Orpheus, Pickpocket, Rules of the Game, Tokyo Story, Vertigo, and The Wild Bunch. That is an amazing list that runs the gamut of a bunch of different genres isn't like precious about like the golden age of cinema or like a certain decade like it's all over and all those movies are really fucking good yeah and then that man directed dog eat dog so i don't know yeah that's probably after he watched the wild bunch with like a fucking volume suppository or something up his butt i don't know so here's something here's the thing i i found interesting uh looking up willem dafoe is i'm going to read through no matter the size of the role he had in the movie i'm going to read through you the list of directors that willem dafoe has worked with uh michael cimino Catherine bigelow tony scott walter hill william friedkin oliver stone martin scorsese alan parker Oliver, uh, Oliver Stone again, uh, John Waters, David Lynch, John Milius, Paul Schrader, Wim Wenders, <laughs> Julian Schnabel, Jane, Jan DePont, Paul Schrader again, weird, um, Paul Astor, Abel Ferreira, David Cronenberg, Mary Heron, Elias Marriage, Sam Raimi, God, there's a lot of Paul Schrader in here, Robert Rodriguez, Wes Anderson. He's in really good. Uh, Lars, Lars von Trier. Spike Lee. Uh, How come you skipped Sam Raimi? I already said Sam Raimi once, so I skipped Did him again. Oh. Yeah. He's on here multiple times. There's another Paul Schrader movie. Uh, Warner Herzog. What's that? God, he's had so many movies in the past 10 years. Jesus, he's like as bad as Cage. Zack Schneider. um, James Wan. Robert Eggers. Ed Norton. Guillermo del Toro next year. Like, that is some of the... That is like one of the most insane list of directors to work with I've ever seen. It really is pretty crazy. Yeah. Oh, I did not. The French Dispatch. That's pretty cool. And he's going to be in Nightmare Alley, uh, which is, uh, and the Northman. And the Northman, yeah. And Schrader's next movie, The Card Counter. I guess so. It's like, yeah, it's crazy. I hope 2021 actually happens. I can just yeah. see a movie. I'm actually like low key, like kind of like really excited about Nightmare Alley. Um, oh, it'll be good. Yeah, I hope so. And I don't know about the Toro directed English speaking actors because that doesn't always end up well. But wait, did oh Bradley Cooper starring in it now? 
Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, Willem Dafoe. Nah, oh, fuck that. No, I'm not excited anymore. It was supposed to be Leo that was supposed to be the starring role in that. I guess he dropped it and they fucking cast Brad, Bradley Cooper. Fucking Bradley Cooper. Now I'm disappointed again. What's the scores on this movie, Frank? Five um, out of ten. The Cage performance is a six out of ten. Okay. And honestly, if I like the movie better, it will probably be higher. Uh-huh. Because I don't think it's a bad performance. I mean, he's he's controlled when he needs to be, and he's manic when he needs to be, and he's weird when he needs to be, and it, it kind of blends together pretty well to be like one of the more like fully realized characters. I think that he's in in this era of his filmmaking, um, probably up through like I don't know, like the better stuff from the past couple years. Okay. Um, but he's just surrounded by this like weird ass movie that doesn't like work. So, um, the movie itself is yeah, it's it's like a four point five five or something like that. I mean, it's it's watchable. It's not gonna like ruin your night to sit there and watch it. You're not gonna like. You probably won't want to even turn it off. Like you'll watch it to the end, but you're also not gonna like get out of it and be like, oh man, like I feel like I've really seen something or my my worldview has changed or whatever. It's just, you know, it's just there. Jesus, we are only two out of five in 2016. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Hmm. Let me, let me... Doggy dog and the trust you've done. We still the have. The trust was 16? Yeah, 2016, yeah. No shit. So I thought the trust was um like 2014. <laughs> Oh, you got 2014 done. That's Rage left behind and Dying of the Light. We did uh-huh. Rage? I think we did Rage, didn't we? No, we, we talked. No, I don't think we did. We, you got to go back and look. Because maybe, maybe you've told me about Rage off air. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm saving Rage for a day when I don't You are, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to watch We it. haven't talked about this one. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. But here's fucking 2016. This is what I got left to watch in this motherfucking year. Yeah. I gotta watch goddamn Snowden. Yeah. Fuck Oliver Stone. Yeah. I gotta watch motherfucking USS Indianapolis Men of Courage, which I have tried to start watching like five times, <laughs> and I can't make my finger press the X on the PlayStation controller. And then this Army of One movie, which I have no idea even what it is. It's a. It looks like a. It looks like a wacky comedy, um, with Nicolas Cage, Rain Wilson, Russell, Russell Brand, Brand and Ooh. Will Sasso. Maybe I want to watch this movie. Maybe it's directed by Larry movie. Charles, who directs all of um, a lot of the. Well, di- started out writing and then started turning directing Seinfeld episodes and does a lot of the directing on um, Curb Your Enthusiasm. That doesn't. That's not me being excited about that movie at all because I think um, I have a feeling it's going to be bad. Um, I wonder if it's streaming anymore. It is not. Oh my god, it's expensive too. Well, four (laughs) dollars. Yeah. Wait, is this this movie? Yeah, this is this movie. Yeah, it's it's four dollars. You know what? I think this was free like two months ago. Probably. It always it always was free two months ago. Almost always. 
that's what um that's what leads me to like watching stuff like three months ahead of time sometimes it's because i know it's going to come up someday and i'll just like watch it when it's free yeah i gotta i I didn't mean to do that out loud um i'm looking i i i i did um i'm looking i gotta watch that side discontent was definitely on purpose uh honeymoon in vegas i'm looking forward to watching kick-ass again so there's that. Right. Right. Huh, there's, so many le- there's so many left. There's so many left still. I don't even know. I need to make a collage. You need you need to you know, yeah, and yeah, that's right. We can get through the animated episodes, I think, like in like one episode, right? A supersized uh, episode at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Yeah, I'll probably want to talk about Crudes too. Well, what is that next year? It's already out. Oh, fuck. Okay. It's free to watch somewhere. Gotcha. All right, we're in twenty twenty one now. <sighs> yep. This is um. It's a lot still. It's a lot. Like forty movies, probably like forty episodes. Yeah, plus um, unbearable weight of massive talent comes out soon. So sure, right. I'm excited to watch that. Yeah. I think that's going to be really good. Just tell myself it comes out on March nineteenth. <laughs> Just across my mind, if I like somehow recut all the Quick Cage episodes into like one massive episode in order. Um, like so, like a hundred, hundred hour episode or something like that. Um, I wonder, like, would it just be extremely erratic, like in terms of like the the, the mood? Um, do you think, like, where there's like hope at different points, like that it's like because it's, it's it's been pretty it's pretty been pretty depressing for a couple months. Um, no, that's not true. We had a, we had a good run, did we? Like four four movies. Right, right. Well, after the four movies, though, that's like been two months ago, Frank. Has it been? Yeah, it feels like it. <laughs> I don't believe that's true. You're probably right, though. I'm excited to talk about the 91 horror movies this week, though, on the primary broadcast. Um, yeah, me too. They were good movies. I still have to watch a couple. I watched one last night that I probably haven't seen since like ninety two or ninety three. Yeah. Um, nice. Nice. Yeah. I um I did the research on all that today. Um. So what little there is, because you got some movies in there that seemingly nobody's got for fucking reviewed. So, um, which is weird, but. <clears throat> Yeah, but I'm excited for that. And your story of the day list and beginning of March. Um, got one movie that I've started that I have left to watch on that. Um, you only have one left to watch? Yeah. Oh, that's pretty cool. Well, it's in it two weeks. Nice to have time to do things. Yeah, well, I mean, I... Yeah. Sure. Yes. I, um, I live a regimented life. Um... Where I try to watch a movie in the morning and a movie at night most nights. <clears throat> I try to 
catch up. But that's how I end up watching things like Sunshine, um, because it's a Danny Boyle movie I never saw. And um, God, that's a doll movie. Have you seen that movie? I I I like Sunshine. What? Jesus, I mean, Frank, that movie is boring as shit. You didn't even finish watching it. I did finish watching it because it let me finish watching it this morning finally. So, so the, con- like the, 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 the context, I thought it was real fucking artsy. and um, The context here is that Hulu just stopped playing this movie for me last night and it would let me play other movies, but not Sunshine. And I think it was trying to save me. Um, no, I did not like that movie, Frank. I thought it was really bland. And like at the end, I thought it was like trying to do some kind of 2001 Space Odyssey shouldn't be like real fucking like philosophical and artsy and i i did not care for that movie at all listen it ain't never gonna make no list right but i enjoy it well enough but i I did also watch last night eight years after you recommended it to me i finally watched dread oh that movie's Um, fantastic yeah i really like that a lot yeah so yeah i love dread dread's a really good movie yeah and then i watched die hard the vengeance today um i enjoyed that let me tell you, Die Hard with a Vengeance, because I don't know when we'll ever talk about that movie. Um, maybe someday when we do some kind of like sequels list, I don't know. But I think you like Die Hard 2 better to, than that, don't you? Yes, that's yeah. true. You're a, big, you're, you're a big fan of Die Hard 2. Um, it's good. I watched that too. But um, I like the other, it. The other day. But uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance is a really great example, especially for an action movie of just the first 10 minutes setting everything up that you need to know in a really concise and succinct way. Um, Like go back and just even just watch the first 10 minutes of that movie. And it is like nearly like perfect in terms of setting up like, like place time, like the first minute sets up like just the, the place and time and the threat in 60 seconds. Um, and then immediately jumps into the action of like how the hero gets pulled back into it, what the premise of the movie is like that's done in like three minutes. Um, and then in like the next, like, you know, four minutes, you figure out like what's going on with McLean. Um, you get all this information about like what's happened in his life since the, in the interim, uh, and, and still uses it to propel like the first major sequence in the movie and introduces the Samuel Jackson character during that time as well and gives you everything you need to know about him in route to the first major conflict. It is excellent screenwriting. <clears throat> excellent. Cool. I'll watch it sometime again. When you forced me to. One of when it goes on like um the the top five uh sequels that Chris loves, but Frank um likes other sequels better. Isn't different too. Isn't different too? Really? Huh. Okay. What, what do you want me what do you want me to say? Well like, we, next well at least next May we, we have the um we have the Chris episode like planned out. Top five sequels that Chris loves, but Frank is indifferent too. Yeah, figure, I can figure that out that list out pretty easily. I think maybe, maybe I think you I might start bordering on hate in some places. Yeah, but not with Die Hard Revenge. That, that movie's fine. Yeah. Fine, I said. 
look, it starts falling apart, like, you know, to some degree, and it's way too, it's too long for what it is, like, halfway through. But those first 10 minutes are really fucking strong. I've also only ever seen it once, so I don't really. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Why would I watch that movie more than once? I don't know. I thought it was a really good action movie. Like I listen, I don't, I don't want to alienate like large portions of our audience. But the only reason I watched Die Hard more than once is because people have made me. You don't get like any benefit from like watching like action movies over again that are really good. Sometimes, I mean, I don't, I don't dislike them. Like it's enjoyable, I guess. But there's just other stuff I want to watch. Right. I don't know. I just watched a lot, all of them a lot, like as a kid or as a teenager. Like that's that's it. There were never things that I owned, and that's most of the stuff that I watched multiple times was stuff that like I would buy. So I don't know. Like I, I mean, I liked Die Hard as a kid. You know, I probably watched Die Hard twice. On my own, on purpose, I would say. Right. Okay. And then other times it's because other people have wanted to watch it or it's just been on or something. When I used to actually have like television, television. Is Before Midnight on that list? The story of a day? No, 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 no. no. Well, no. Um, The. uh... Oh, sequels I'm indifferent to? Yeah. 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 I'm yeah. I'm a little more than indifferent. I have a little more affection than pure indifference to be okay. okay. But in, right. in terms of like super disappointing sequels to movies that I love, mm-hmm. like I definitely I don't hate it, but there's a lot of things about that movie that I'm really just not a fan of. Hmm. Okay. And I, I really I, I hate the fact that it makes me hate them. Like both. Like two characters that I gen- have genuine affection for, for two full movies, and then I just kind of am like sickened and annoyed by him the whole time. Gotcha. And I think it deals way too much with other people. Like I think there's way too much of the shit when they're in the villa, like with the other families. Like it's too much. It should just be about the two of them. I don't care about the kids. I don't Fair care about his son. Fuck Fair all that shit. Yeah. I just want to see them talking to each other. Yeah, we will talk. That sounds. Yeah, that sounds shit. Yeah, I, yeah. You you don't sound indifferent to it. You certainly well, I, sound. I, but but I still like find a lot of value in it. Like I still think it's right. a good movie. Yeah. It's just not like it's not it's not a it's not a worthy successor to two movies that I really 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 like a lot. So right. Yeah, I'll have to think about this list more and see if there's shit out there. Um, I think a year ahead on ways to fuck you over. <clears throat> well, life does that every day, buddy, so you need to get <laughs> on. <laughs> uh, That's right. not true. Yeah. Well, it won't be the fucking wear soldier. Okay. All right. Um, any final thoughts on this fucking movie, Frank? Because I like Winter Soldier. That's how you know that it won't be on there because I'm not indifferent to it. Well, you no, know, and I hate it. So I um, actually right. I'm super excited for the Falcon and Winter Soldier series coming out. Oh, I'm fine with that. Like, I'll I'll, I'll be interested to watch it. I like um, uh, WandaVision so far. So you know that there's some. 
there's been some really weird um like neckbeard backlash towards marvel shit in the past couple of years yeah and there's well, people that like i think are willfully ignoring how good wandavision is by like complaining about really stupid shit and then like you go back and look at how they felt about other stuff in like especially like dc universe or shit like watchmen and it's like it completely invalidates their opinions right well i mean isn't part of the backlash like oh too many women like you know all that kind of shit no a lot of the backlash is that oh i'm just i'm all superheroed out Mm. oh i guess i shouldn't say it like that because that yeah but i mean that's that's that that's the truth it's like (laughs) Right. I mean, cool, I get it. Like, you don't have to watch every superhero movie, but some of them are still going to be good. Right. I think there's elements of the WandaVision stuff that's <clears throat> absolutely brilliant what they've done. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm super into that show. I mean, look, I was super... You can go back and listen to our Marvel episode, like, um, our retrospective that we did for two hours talking about like all those movies after Endgame came out and it's like I was fucking superheroed out man like um, I'm I'm so glad there's been like a break because it's allowed me to kind of like reinvest and re-energize and look forward to like the next you know right it's the phase, one good thing phase, about, you know? one good thing about COVID is it saved the Marvel Universe basically I think so too yeah right so it's like you know and then it's like WandaVision being like you know 25 minutes long each episode like it actually teases you a little bit like you're looking forward to you know I'm actually watching it week to week it's like shit I haven't done that in I don't know how long like watch the thing week to week um, except for the Expanse recently because fucking Prime released it week to week but um, still <clears throat> yeah and actively looking forward to it week to week so yeah which is achieving its own right. <laughs> so nothing ah. else about this movie. Okay, good. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for listening to our um, episode tonight. And um, you know what's next week, Frank? Do you, do you have any hope uh, to 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 shine? On... I don't. Okay. I'm just curious what um. God, you're gonna watch this army of one movie. You're gonna like rent it for four dollars, and I don't know about that. I got enough stuff to watch this weekend that I don't think that's gonna happen. Okay, it'll probably just be something from the list or that I've already watched, or I'll just like catch something for free one night. Oh my god, it's tired in here. <laughs> oh man! All right, thank you that's, for listening, that's, everybody. That's a good cue. Yeah, have a good night.